Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Scott Luton and special guest host, Tony Sharota here with you on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Tony, how you doing? Doing great today, Scott. Doing great. Well, so I am too. We've got a big show today. We're talking with yet another business leader doing big things, especially when it comes to the retail world and beyond. And of course, Tony, we're continuing our reverse logistics leadership series here at Supply Chain Now. Are you ready? Are you up for this, Tony? I am so up for this and uh, I'm getting ready to head out of town and speak somewhere else. So it's just an endless world of getting to talk about this stuff. And we have such a great series, Scott, uh, over the last couple of years, few years now. And, uh, you know, the one broadcast that actually pays attention to that dark side of retail. <laughs> All things reverse logistics. Well, the beat goes on, as you're alluding to, because we've got a great guest here today. I want to welcome in Michael Prince, Vice President of Returns and Quality with Walmart. Mike, how you doing? Hey, Scott. Good to see you, Tony. Great to see you again as well. Well, so, Tony, we have really enjoyed our pre-show conversation with Mike, and I, I wish we had like six hours with him here today. He's he, Between what he's done personally and professionally, yep. uh, a lot to get to. But I want to start, Mike. You know that we like to uh, kind of get to know our guests first, especially with that little question, hey, where did you grow up? So, Mike, how about it? Yeah, I appreciate that, Scott. And first off, uh, congratulations to you. I've, I've had the chance to, to listen to a number of your episodes and, and saw you're coming up on your thousandth episode, or it's, hap it's actually happened at this point, correct? That's right. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's pretty in incredible. So um, well, well done to you and a, a really interesting podcast. I've, I've enjoyed the chance to listen to it. Um, Man, that makes, and, my, makes our day, our team's day here. And I'll tell you, <laughs> Mike and Tony, I'll, I'll often say that podcast numbers or episode numbers don't mean anything except maybe to the content creator, right? But yeah. I, I feel every one of those episodes, and I, I tell you what, uh, thank you for the acknowledgement, and I look forward to our chat here today. So, um, so growing up, yes. we were we had yeah. an interesting um, little segue in our in our pre-show conversation. Yeah, so grew up in, or was born in, in Holland, Michigan. It's on the west side of Michigan. Uh, so my my family heritage is Dutch. I don't, I unfortunately, don't speak Dutch, but uh, I, I I saw that being in that side of the state. And um, if you've been over there, my, my grandparents had a windmill in their front yard. They have really? tulip time. It's a it's a really interesting community. I know Tony, you have some Michigan roots. Have Have you been over to Holland? Absolutely, the Holland uh, Tulip Festival is one of the is is so cool and it's amazing and it's big and it's gigantic. Yeah. It's, it's a great event every year in the spring. It, it is. And we would joke, it, it's hard to time the tulips every year because you don't know when they're going to bloom. <laughs> so they would refer to it as the STEM festival uh, if they got it on the wrong time, either a week earlier or, or a week late. Um, uh, wooden shoes that. from when I was a kid, the, the clomping dancers, they call them, and they do traditional uh, Dutch routines and things. So that that's really uh, kind of my lifeblood there. I lived there till I was five. And then we moved over to the east side of Michigan, to Brighton, Michigan, um, where I grew up, did first through 12th grade, was uh, was really into sports, did soccer, baseball, basketball, golf. Um, really? Golf was probably my my primary sport, uh, being over there as well. So, and, Mike, do uh, you still play? I, I do. Um, I like to play as much as I can. That That's hard. I have four kids, and, and we have a lot of activities that we do. Um, I, I'm not sure how I convinced my wife, but and, and she's great for this. Um, we built a golf simulator in our attic, so uh, I'm starting to to pick that up a little more. It, it shows movies. Uh, the kids can play Xbox on it. It's it's a phenomenal addition to have to the house. So that's been that's been a lot of fun and helped the golf game more than uh, than I've been able to play in the past. That is awesome, Mike. As a big Golden <laughs> T fan back in the day, yes, uh, Golden T. Uh, Golden T is phenomenal. I, I love that game. All right, so we're, we're going to have a lot of feedback around that, I'm sure, from across our listenership. Um, so speaking of sports, as we're getting to know Mike Prince uh, with Walmart, um, what is, so I understand our due diligence up front, you're a big Michigan fan, right? Big Blue, uh, Detroit Tigers, Detroit Lions, you, you're yeah. fans of all these teams, but what is one of your favorite all-time teams? 
One of my favorite all times, and I, and I wish uh, I wish they'd made it all the way, but the 06 Tigers um, were a phenomenal group. They had, uh, if you remember, Justin Verlander, Maglio Ordonez. They had a, a, a Jeremy Bonderman. They, they had a group that was just uh, set to, to win a World Series. And um, I think that the memories of the team are great, but going with my brother and dad to the games and um, really the, the the whole family element of that with friends is is really what I remember the most. And um, that was an incredible group. They unfortunately fell to the Cardinals. I'm sure there's some Cardinals fans out there that also remember uh, the 06 World Series very well. But uh, that was that was a great team. Excellent team. And, and of course, Verlander's still pitching. Uh, he's going to pitch he maybe he's into his going. 60s. Yeah. Um, so, Tony, uh, he, he, he dropped some sports history, especially for folks uh, that are big Michigan team fans. What about you, sports-wise? Who's your, What's your favorite team? Well, I, I, I think I got a few years on Mike, so I get to go back and say, well, actually, I was around for the 68 Tigers and uh, and what they did. And nice. that was great with Willie Horton and some of those, Mickey Lillich, some of the great classic players. But 84 is still my favorite. Um, uh, the duo of Alan Trammell and, uh, and Lou Whitaker, uh, second and short, um, and, and Lou just got his number retired uh, this year at Tiger Stadium, the new Tiger Stadium, really cool. And I was there for it, and uh, I was a little older, so I could understand a little bit more of what was going on, but phenomenal 84 Tigers. Love that. Sweet Lou Whitaker, I believe. Uh, yeah. And those 80s teams, of course, Cecil Fielder, I think we've talked before that that all those home runs he hit, including those that one or two that went that left the park entirely, uh, and then of course Rob Deere, yeah. I think one of the few catchers or baseball players that's maybe struck out three hundred times in a season. It feels like, but uh, when he connected, that ball was was being launched to Holland, Michigan. So, uh, well, thank y'all, uh, Mike and Tony. I love looking back at, at all these great sports teams. Uh, it's such a great departure from uh, some of the stresses of industry, right? Um, and we're going to make a visit, Tony. Let's make add it to our list. We're going to make a visit to that golf simulation uh, studio uh, <laughs> at the attic. Prince household. <laughs> all Do right. the next so, one there. <laughs> that's right. So, all right. So speaking of departures, I'll tell you what. Uh, the last couple of years, we all probably have have uh, found different ways to uh, you know take that mental break from, from a lot of the challenging backdrop that we've all been experiencing. But if you go looking for it, there's been good news, right? And there's going to be uh, lots of developments that have come to the service in the last couple of years that will continue to pay, pay dividends and change how we do business for years to come. And that, that the way I look at it, that's definitely good news. So you, those Eureka moments, uh, Mike. So if you look at the yeah. last couple of years, a Eureka moment that really is maybe related to leadership or supply chain or life in general for you, what was one that comes to mind? Yeah, it, it, I really like that that question. Um, and, and it's kind of an interesting one. It is supply chain uh, related, but uh, but I think there's a life lesson there as well. And um, about a year and a half ago, um, as we were as we were still in pretty heavy COVID, was talking to somebody about how they had groceries delivered for their mom from Walmart, and um, it was she was calling him. It was a couple hours late. She had uh, he had let her know that that they were coming, and she's looking for him and and uh, and not seeing him. And so as she was talking to him on the phone, uh, she got interrupted for a second, and he said, "Oh, you're taking another call." She said, "It's DoorDash. They they keep calling me." And this is back when Walmart partnered with DoorDash. And, uh, and so it turns out it was DoorDash calling her to try and deliver her groceries um, because of Walmart's partnership with them. And they hadn't been able to get a hold of her to, to drop them off. So everything was working as planned, as anticipated. The groceries were on time. DoorDash was there to deliver them. But she hadn't made the correlation, as many people might not, between at the time when we were working with DoorDash and Walmart, that those two might be linked together. And mm. so I think... The, the eureka moment for that with me was we spend so much time making plans. We put together what we think uh, is, is what the customer wants, and we try and take customer feedback and do that. And then sometimes when you roll these things out, you realize that uh, it's actually not exactly what you thought it would be. Um, and, and you run into instances like this where if the customer's not educated on the fact that DoorDash is going to drop off their groceries, and now it's Walmart Spark, and we've integrated that, but um, you run into these issues. And so that was a moment for me to say, even when you think you have a perfect system figured out and you go to implement it, you need to be on the ground. You need to have that frontline mentality and understand it and, and get into the details because it might not actually translate to the way that you think it should. Mm, Mike, I love that story. A ton of your quick comments and Tony, you got to share your Eureka moment too. 
Well, I I, um, I appreciate uh, Mike's uh, comments about that that whole. And Walmart has always focused on the consumer, the end consumer, and the experience. And and Mike, of course, is is involved in that a lot. And and so my uh, eureka moment, the, the newest one, is talking with Eileen Fisher Apparel, uh, one of their spokespersons, and they have it, they've been running this Take It Back program for over ten years. And it's a real focus on, okay, the clothing, you're buying better, you're buying less, but when you are done with it, we'll take it back and give you a credit. That's a leadership role in the apparel industry and other industries we're starting to see it. Take it back and do something else with it. Mm. And and the woman, uh, Carmen Gama, uh, is in charge of making sure they not only take it back, but they either repair it or recycle it or return it back and, and donate it. And just amazing concept. And this is the manufacturers have to start doing this. It's it's not Walmart's job to take that back. Eileen uh, Fisher Apparel or mm. electronics and, and, and other things. Nike now is doing it. Patagonia is doing it. They're all doing these take back programs. And it's so cool. It's a eureka moment for the planet, really, Scott, for the planet. I completely agree. Uh, thank you all very much for sharing uh, those moments. Now, we've had so many. Mike, I'm going to share one, and I really wish, because it dawned on me kind of as we were talking pre-show and, and, and moved into the episode, one of your associates that's based in the low country of South Carolina, he is a, a full-time school administrator. Um, and uh, a couple of years ago, I saw the story where he was trying to help all of his students, and, and I don't have his name handy, but he was working part-time at Walmart. And he was donating his full paycheck. This is in the, in the height of the pandemic. He was donating his full paycheck to students that their family was in need and didn't have the stuff they needed. And goodness gracious, if that doesn't make you you know, ready to run through walls and, and really celebrate the wide, diverse workforce that make up you know, global supply chain, I don't know what does. You got If that doesn't get you going... Got to check it, your polls. It right? does. It does, Scott. And we saw it. Um, we had the, the uh, fortunately the Indianapolis fire in March, and you saw associates come together with that, and 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 now with the um, the hurricane coming through mm. uh, Florida, and then back up the coast. I mean, you, you just see people step up, and it's incredible to watch. And our associates have such a passion for it that mm. uh, it's uh, there are thousands and thousands of stories like that, and I, and I applaud the associate in South Carolina. That that's incredible. Um, but man, there we have some really, really good people working at Walmart. Absolutely, and then certainly bless, bless our school leaders. They got their hands full. Uh, they do, but they do. Um, so, kind of moving right along, you know, we want to dive into uh, the craft, uh, as one Greg White has put it. Uh, and I want to break this up. I want to kind of get your general thoughts on what we're seeing in industry, and then we're going to talk more about Walmart, of course, and all the cool things you are doing there. So generally, when it comes to trends in the reverse logistics and returns management world, what are some of the things you're seeing there, Mike? Yeah, I, I think um, what, what we're seeing in general is returns are getting a much bigger focus by companies today. And if you look at the market, it's a, about a $550 billion market today, going to $800 billion in, in 2027 uh, globally. And what that means is those are costs that uh, companies are paying. And so returns have always been a cost, but now they're really becoming a cost. And companies are having to look at what their uh, infrastructure and ecosystem looks like. Uh, and, and it's not something you can brush aside anymore. I, I saw one stat from the Retail Federation, 10.6% uh, return, return rate in 2020. 16.6% return rate in 2021, and that number is anticipated to just go up. And so what was something that you could kind of, um, you know, something short of brush under the rug and just say that's a cost of doing business and, 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 and just handling returns at the basic level. Now, when you look at uh, sustainability and, and regeneration and, and the efforts along with the cost associated with, with not doing anything, um, Tony, I'm sure you're seeing it too. That will sink your business if you don't deal with returns now. Mm -hmm. Uh, at the rate that it's that it's growing, Tony. So absolutely, and um, one of Mike's predecessors at Walmart, when I was thrown into this supply chain uh, fixed returns problem world at Phillips, and because I came out of sales and marketing, uh, when I was told one of the pearls of wisdom that I learned going to Walmart is it, the pearl was ninety nine percent of the people who go into Walmart stores, and that's a lot of them. Do not go in to buy something to take it back. That was true around the year 2000. 
Now people shop online and they admit they're buying extra to send stuff back. So we've created this culture of entitlement and that's a challenge because Walmart's focus used to be on it, making the customer experience go well, but you don't control it when it's e-commerce as well as you do in the store. And that's the challenge we all face because to Mike's point, it's going to get worse. Yes, ag agreed. And by the way, Mike and Tony, you both alluded to our friends at NRF, the National Retail Federation, great resource for information and, and uh, change in industry. So y'all check that out to our listeners. All right. So now that you and Tony both have spoken in generally, you know, how things are um, uh, evolving in the reverse logistics and, and returns management world, let's talk about how the space is, has continued to evolve since you first joined Walmart in early 2018, Mike. Yeah, uh, there, there's some pretty exciting things that I've even seen Walmart change uh, since since I've started here. And the first of those is Walmart Restored, which you probably saw uh, launched just a few months ago. And that is where we take um, certified refurbished items and we put them back on the website and customers can purchase them at a discount um, and get a great deal on something like an older model iPad or even some some newer items as well uh, on, on some late model electronics. And that's perfect, you know, if the, if the kids, you want an iPad for them for the back of the minivan. I saw one on there uh, for, for $89. That's an older model. But if you just want to put a movie on it and, and cover a drive, then, then uh, it's something you can, you know, just have and not worry about, about breaking. Because, Mike, we know you're the father of four kids. I've got three of my own. Tony, Tony yes. your father. <laughs> kids are going to beat the heck out of uh, that iPad. So <laughs> it fits yes. the bill. Um, and, so, so and, cool things. Walmart restored. Yep. And then, if you look, um, part of it is is the the um, the Walmart restored and programs to bring new life to products. And some of it's trying to just uh, prevent returns in the first place. And so, just uh, at the end of September, uh, Walmart announced the virtual try on, which is really cool uh, through Zekit. They uh, purchased them last year and then have in incorporated that technology in, and that basically maps out apparel with 80,000 different data points. It's the same way they do topographical maps. Um, and we have over 120 models online. It was first 30, then 50, and people kept asking for more and saying, I love this, I can look for my body style and I can map these clothes to how it will actually fit on me. And this isn't like, uh, you remember the, the flannel graphs from, from church or elementary school where right. you know you basically had the, the gingerbread man and you, and you stuck a shirt on them and right. you could change it all around, right? That's, this is not that. Um, this is a program that actually maps it to uh, the body styles of our customer and they get to see it. And, and the intent is nobody wants to return anything to your point uh, about the 99%, right? You, you don't buy something online thinking, hey, I really hope I can take the time to bring this back. You want it to fit. And so- Programs like that are helping educate customers who buy online to say, what's this really going to look like versus just trying to guess on their sizing and hope that it arrives correctly. Mm. Mike, I love that. Um, let, let's get Tony. You, we've covered a lot of ground in this uh, evolutionary journey of this space. Your, your quick thoughts on what Mike's sharing. Well, the restored is phenomenal. It, it, it really uh, goes towards that circular economy concept that the world is starting to embrace because of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation and, and partners in the circular economy like Walmart. So one is the reuse. Uh, Mike's correct. The reuse is the ultimate uh, best option for any product. But on the front side, it's even more important, as Mike said, it's more important to figure out ways to reduce returns. And, and the apparel fitting uh, concept is is very important. And again, it points towards the circular economy thing about buy what you need, buy as much as you need and, and, and keep it. Let's change that culture back because really the world has to recognize that we can't keep throwing this stuff away. And, and apparel is one of the biggest nightmares. It's, it's, it's achieved, it's, it's exceeding a 40 to 50% return rate in e-commerce land, because to Mike's point, if, if it doesn't, if you don't think about it fitting right, you buy extras and, and that's just, and that goes back and it gets liquidated in the worst possible uh, environments. It's, mm. there's just so much clothing being liquidated. So that is such a cool program. Uh, now the design for reuse is important and it's all part of the circular economy and so proud to have Walmart engage in that in such a big way and being the world leaders in this, that, that, that fitting tool, that's a world leader move. That's phenomenal. Agreed. Agreed. And I love, I love Mike's throwback 
to kind of <laughs> talk about how it's not the plaid uh, form fitter we saw back in the, you know, maybe 80s, early 90s. But um, so, Mike, as we continue to move forward, uh, anything else, your last thought on kind of how you've seen it evolve? And then we'd love to kind of continue to learn about how Walmart continues to navigate this space. Yeah. Uh, so the, the last note on evolving, you've, you've probably seen it is uh, is packaging and and everything from TVs to being better packaged, uh, not having to overbox and that. So if you can get the item to the customer in the condition that they expect the item, which should be brand new, um, but then that saves returns as well. And so a lot of efforts, both from Walmart and uh, and the vendors in that in that team, to make sure that they provide you know the best quality packaging to to get it to the customers. Um, I think your follow-up that question to that was, how are we navigating this this space? That's right. Um, and so you uh, recently announced there's three big initiatives that uh, that were just rolled out uh, just a short time ago, and that is the first is curbside returns, which is mm. which is really cool. If you're at Walmart doing your online grocery pickup and you're in the car, you can also, uh, if you bought it through the Walmart ecosystem with certain items, initiate a return as well. And so when they come to drop off the groceries or the general merchandise that you purchased at your car, you can hand your return back. It's a simple scan. The associate takes it back and your transaction is done. Uh, you never need to leave the vehicle. So that's really, really neat. That's rolled out for everybody um, that uses the Walmart app and is tied into it. And we continue to expand the assortment of products that um, that we can leverage for our for our curbside returns. The second one is the, the doorstep pickup for returns. So if you have a, a store that supports Spark drivers, and uh, have a Walmart Plus membership and get your groceries delivered, you can hand your return off to the driver when they get to your uh, to your front door and you don't actually have to go into a Walmart. So really, really trying to go to fit the needs of our customers and look at what's the best way to uh, integrate into their lives to save them time and provide the returns that way. And then the third one is we've all, you know, waited until later uh, in the holiday season to buy because you don't know if you're going to be able to bring it back, right? You're trying to time um, uh, Christmas or whatever holiday it is that, that you're that you're celebrating, so that you buy the item, but you're in the 30-day window in case they want to bring it back, and then and then you're trying to to navigate that. Right. Um, and so what what we're doing at, at Walmart is anything purchased after October 1st. So so we're in it right now. Um, through the end of the year, can be returned through January 31st. So it's our no worries holiday guarantee. Um, you can take the items back; doesn't fit, whatever it may be the case. And so we're excited about that, giving customers the flexibility to take advantage of rollbacks that they may see next week um, and, and don't necessarily want to wait until closer to the holiday season to, to make those purchases. So three three really exciting programs in Walmart that that we've just rolled out and uh, anxious to get feedback from customers on it as well. Love that. You know, Tony, you mentioned customer experience earlier. Uh, good old CX. There's a there's a CX, TX, you name it these days. But I really appreciate uh, how those measures uh, will drive uh, enhanced customer experience. Uh, tell me your comments on those three big initiatives. Well, the the, the customer experience is the driver. And, and uh, Mike, we've talked about this before, but nobody really surveys customers on why they do returns and gets honest answers <laughs> because you generally get the answer uh, that they think is least offensive or least get them in trouble, uh, unfortunately, because people don't want to admit that they bought the wrong thing. Um, and, it, and it's interesting, but but so the customer experience driver at Walmart is, is phenomenal. How do you make the customer, uh, you, you have a certain benchmark, of course, it's out there, the, the rest of the world all sets it. But when you can exceed that, and you make a customer feel special or feel uh, not inconvenienced that you've gone out of the way to make a program for him, like the the door drop and 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 the curb drop. I mean, those are just such a factor of, of making it easier. So the customer thinks, I'm not worried about buying this at Walmart because they're going to take care of me. But also the flip side is they're making my experience better. And that's mm. the number one driver in the survey. Scott, I've mentioned it before. We did this survey at Phillips. Why did you take something back that there was nothing wrong with it? Well, it didn't, it wasn't what I expected. Right. And that's that unmet expectations is the driver, number one driver for returns. And Walmart is finding ways to address that. It's phenomenal. And it's probably one of the toughest to quantify and act on um, not meeting expectations because you need like seven more questions once you get that one. But hey, uh, I'll share with y'all. Um, Tony, I'm going to get your maybe a, a medal, I think, maybe. Um, this year, I can recall two returns that I've made. 
I hate returning anything. Uh, and one of those returns, you know, you know, sometimes Mike and Tony, I don't know if you are like me, if you find like a pair of shorts that you love how it fits and, and it, it's it's very functional, I'll go get a couple in the, you know different colors, right? Uh, well, I found this one short and and I loved it, so I went and bought a, a few more. Well, one <laughs> one pair was snuck in, maybe on the same um, uh, same rack or something, and that must have it must have been like a three inch long short, and that. I like shorts, but those are a little bit too short, and I wanted to spare the neighborhood. So that was one of my two returns this year. But, you know, I hate making returns. And I think if we can, you know, as consumers, you know, consumers play an active role in global supply chain and certainly, of course, in universal logistics and returns management, the more homework we can do, you know. And, and then, you know, making the right purchases. Sometimes you're still not going to make the right purchase. But taking care of those products you are going to return so that, you know, there is an additional you know, someone else can enjoy them, right? Um, but commentary aside, uh, before we move on, because we're going to talk about startup mentality here in a second, Mike, I want to make sure to give you the last word. I love the change y'all are driving um, in industry. And and as Tony mentioned, that con- customer experience is certainly driving a lot of these initiatives. But your last comments around uh, these exciting changes y'all are making at Walmart to serve the customer even better. Yeah, I think we're... Scott, we're super open to feedback and we look at our NPS scores and we look at the customer experience and we know that to the comment earlier about the the Walmart uh, delivery, right? If we, we need to figure this out and we need to make it as great of an experience as possible. So if you have a great experience, let us know. If, if you have a challenging experience, let us know. We need that feedback so we can continue to look at it because it is an omni world. And there are a lot of different ways to service a customer that that we didn't have, uh, you know, even 10 years ago and especially 20, 30 years ago. It used to be very straightforward. You go to the store, you bring something back if you if you didn't want it. Um, now that's that's changing across the board. So we have some great teams working on some incredible solutions, but we're going to have blips in the way and, and we need to understand, you know, what's the feedback on that and how how can we keep improving it? Love that. Um, really, it is an omni world, isn't it, Tony? It is, and 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 Scott, I have to uh, remind Mike that his company has been a leader for 20 years in making it a frictionless return because of a program uh, produced by a, one of our members called Income, where it's a serial number tracking. So when they sell something at the point of sale, any product with a serial number, it's captured at the point of sale at the register. And when a customer brings it back to the return desk, that clerk is able to scan the model, the serial number, and confirm and validate the purchase. When was it bought? Where was it bought? In some cases, it didn't come from Walmart. In some cases, it may have come from a flea market or a pawn shop, and people are trying to sometimes return those things. But the convenience of scanning a serial number at the return desk and knowing exactly when it was bought and where is, is just makes it easy for their customers to have a fast process through that line and because uh, everyone shows up without a receipt, right, Mike? They don't want to show up with a receipt for a return. Well, and, uh, another inconvenience, but they fix uh, that. Yeah. And as an extension of that, Tony, the Walmart app is phenomenal. If you haven't used Walmart Pay and and, and tied into that, the, that ecosystem, uh, you don't have to worry about receipts. It's all in there and, and tracks it for you. And that's what enables things like our curbside returns, right? If you buy it in the app, we have all the information. They don't have to process a receipt in the parking lot. Uh, you have your barcode, you're ready to go. So yep. I think uh, in today's world, the, the app is absolutely the way um, to tie into that. And if you add in Walmart Plus and the benefits, anytime you use Walmart Pay, your, your benefits are applied automatically. Interesting. Tony, I love that word you use, frictionless. It's one of our favorites. That and orchestration, <laughs> yeah. synchronization, uh, to all of it, highly relevant in the last few years, for sure, for all time, but certainly the last few years. Um, okay, so I want to shift gears. Uh, so Mike, I really appreciate you sharing those initiatives there. And looking forward to maybe having you back on to kind of learn how they've rolled out and some of the feedback you've gotten. And I love also that you're you, you seek out feedback. You know, you're very deliberate about that. That's so important, whether you're in retail or or other parts of global business. Let's talk about your startup mentality that you bring to the table, especially with re- reverse logistics at Walmart. I'm a you know founder and an entrepreneur, and I love when I read this. I was doing my homework pre-show. I was, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm circling that. We're definitely going to ask Mike about uh, how you've been able to apply that startup mentality to the team. So tell us more. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I think, you know, the, the the basis for it is really a frontline 
uh, obsession with understanding how the business is running, getting into stores, getting into the return centers, understanding how and why we are processing items. What are we putting out on uh, our clearance aisles that customers bring back? And how are we making those items, you know, eligible for resale at a discount, maybe just because the packaging is damaged. But as you go in there and as you uh, start to break down the processes, you realize that you have a, um, in many cases, a, a great and perfectly saleable item in your hand. And what decisions are we making um, that allow us to either resell that item or, or make sure it's uh, handled in a sustainable way and it doesn't end up uh, liquidated out and they serve a purpose, but to like a bin store where you're walking through and saying, hey, this is a perfectly uh, great 30 or 40 or 50 or in one case, the one I found last week, $90 item that's ended up in this state. And so the question is very basic, just looking at it and saying, what are all of our processes? How do we handle everything? And, and when, you're, when you're holding the item in your hand, and I'm a big believer of this, and I'll, I'll talk through it with our next-gen fulfillment as well, you should do the next step that is the final step with that item and not pass it along down the, down the chain uh, to have somebody else handle it and have, um, you know, transport it and all the costs and, and carbon emissions and everything that go with that. And so, uh, Scott, I have a great leadership team here that, that gives me a ton of support and have had the opportunity to really go in and just inspect everything we're doing and say, is this the best path forward? Is this what we should be doing? And if not, how do we change the system to accommodate it and improve it overall? So um, at a real high level, that's, that's the basis uh, that, that I consider for the startup mentality in this. I love that. Uh, Tony, I'm gonna get your comment in a second, but as, as a, um, I've got practicality in my soul. Uh, you know, I, I, I gave my um, future wife, Amanda, um, one of our earliest dates, I noticed that she didn't, you know, she was running in the rain as I dropped her off one time. So I gave her an umbrella for Valentine's day and I'm, I'll never make that mistake again, but that's kind of where my mind is very, you know, practical hammer meat nail, but Tony speak to that, how he described that startup mentality. Well, it's important. And, and again, I, I am really proud of, of, of having worked with Walmart for so many years because the people there have this culture of, of of doing things new and and it's amazing because yeah they're kind of one of the world's biggest companies but they're not stagnant or stale mm -hmm. um bringing mike in from the outside is an example of we want to keep advancing we want to keep doing things so so it's part of that whole culture and and that mike's referring to that the startup mentality is part of their culture no one sits on their laurels at, at Walmart and people don't understand that. They think of it sometimes what's been called the evil empire, you know, and, and things like that. It's just, it, it, it's, it's crazy. It's it, being big doesn't mean you're evil or that you're stagnant. And, and the progression is amazing at Walmart. Look at all these things that Mike's talking about that they've already done. Right. And they're thinking about more that they can do. That's, that's such an important aspect for a, a major corporation to, to be able to move. It's not necessarily that, that Walmart's more nimble than others, but the culture is focused on how do we make it better, keep going. And I, and I love that approach. And, and that's, it's startup, but it's also just a, a reach for excellence. And, and that's something I appreciate. And when I met Mike in person, it was great. We were in Nashville for this, uh, our, our leadership summit of the leading thought uh, industry leaders in, in the return space. And, and clearly the passion is there with most of these people. And, and it's amazing because Mike, I, I think you and I didn't grow up to become reverse logistics specialists. <laughs> you know, yeah. we didn't go to school for that, right? You know, you go to University of Michigan, you don't think about becoming a reverse logistics person or a returns person, uh, but somehow that passion comes, from, comes there. It's great. Tony, there's so much I want to speak to in your answer there, but I'll start with saying this. <laughs> The only evil empire I'm aware of is the New York Yankees. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> just kidding to all our Yankees fans. Hey, it's amazing to see the year they've had. And of course, Aaron Judge. Um, Judge yep. All right. So moving that aside, and, and Mike, we're going to talk about next generation in a second. Do you want anything you want to speak to in terms of, of, of Tony, uh, Tony's comments there, especially about the importance of not sitting on your hands and, and being stagnant because that continuous improvement journey, there's no finish line, right? Right. There isn't. And, um, 
and just like talking about the curbside returns feedback, we're, we're continuously looking at how do we get these items back in our customers' hands if they need to be refurbished or restored? Um, how do we uh, avoid waste, you know, going through our return centers? Um, they take all the styrofoam and they, they basically melt it down into this compound that, that turns into picture frames. And taking the plastic from the icing buckets that you see that are used uh, for cake decorators and repurposing all of those and, and making <clears throat> dog beds out of... Uh, mattresses that, that come back. It, it, there's a ton of great programs that, that Walmart has, and we just continue to look for opportunities. And, and uh, I know we'll talk about the end, but if, if others have ideas that are listening to this podcast, I'd, I'd love to hear them. Um, we had a great, great idea that I thought was phenomenal that came out of an internal challenge. And we we're talking about ways that we can uh, reduce waste and, 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 and save money. And obviously, as we save money, we save our customers money. And somebody said, hey, our stores used to be 24 hours uh, across across the U.S. Um, for the most part, and we've since changed that with COVID and operating hours. He said, but we, we leave the TVs on at night because we used to do that because customers were in there shopping. And they said, if we just turned off the TVs at night, it would be a, a huge savings, uh, both for, for the company and power usage and everything. And so it, it's the ideas like that, that um, they add up and they make a difference and and, and you're, you're no longer wasting electricity and and, and now we come in every morning and turn them on and, and turn them off at night. So there's some, when you just ask the people that are in and talked about that before, the frontline mentality, the people that are on the ground and doing the work, they understand what's happening. And so we're just trying to leverage that and learn from them and, and implement some best practices in the process. Love that. Going to the Gimba. Folks at no best. <laughs> I love that. Going to the Gimba. And I, um, I do want to go back, Scott, yeah. though, to what Mike said about their, their entire new category, Restored. That that's phenomenal. Every retailer needs to be doing this. Nordstrom did it with Nordstrom Rack, even. So uh, retailers are recognizing they should be doing this. Walmart took the step to do it. Uh, the only thing that we need to move towards is uh, a grading system, and and that hasn't been standardized yet. That's one of the things that an association like the RLA can do. Uh, CTIA does that for cell phones. They actually have a grading so that the consumer can look online and a grade A, they'll know what it means, a grade B, et cetera. Um, now, with Walmart, you always have the, the confidence that they're not going to sell you something that is broken. That's that's the easy part of a restored. Uh, but we are starting to get new terminology that we love. Uh, pre-loved, uh, uh, you know, uh, vintage uh, articles, and and we've got to come up with new terminology because millennials like this stuff, Mike, and 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 you've opened up an entire new marketplace with this secondary opportunity, the restored Walmart goods. That's just so important to recognize and focus on. I want to just make sure they have that. I love that. And yes, vintage is all the rage these days. It is amazing. Uh, we'll have to have a whole separate show to dive into that trend. I love it. Um, so let's, I, I want to go one more place. And we'll talk supply chain with Mike Prince, with, with Walmart, and Tony Schrader, with RLA. Um, I love this news uh, when it comes to next generation fulfillment centers. So, Michael, you led the development of these centers. Uh, can you shed some light on that and you know, speak to how it fits into Walmart's overall omnichannel strategy moving forward? Yeah, these these are pretty incredible buildings. We announced it in March, and really, they the the, the core behind them is they take a twelve step process, which is the traditional manual e commerce fulfillment, and it cuts it down to five steps. Um, and it's a highly automated process that uh, um, that makes our associates' jobs better. It really levels up their work. We bring in more technicians. Um, it's an automated storage and retrieval system, and and uh, brings the goods right to the to the packer. What I talked about before, though, with the having the item in your hand, um, it, it's the third step of that process. So the, the first step is you, you take it off the trailer and unload it. The second step is to decan it into a tote. The third step is really the incredible unlock for this technology. The item, when the order goes through, is in a tote in the automated storage and retrieval system. And that item or multiple items will be sequenced and sent to a pick station that has a box arriving that's a right size box at the exact same time. And so the, the person picking the order will pick it out uh, literally from a tote above them and drop it into the box below them. Um, and the box is built so that if you order three items, it takes your three items. And it, uh, if you play Tetris, it 
puts them in basically a, 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 a huge number of iterations of Tetris and says this is the best way to to put the items in and then and then you seal the box out you send it out it's it's sealed a step four and, and put on the trailer a step five and so this tech um, better density faster orders you can go closer to the deadline for cutoff so it's better service it just it, it unlocks so many things and we're we're super excited about it we just um, launched our first building in Joliet Illinois. Uh, may have seen the announcement on that uh, last month. Went went out uh, live without bound orders, and then um, Indy, uh, Philadelphia area, and uh, Dallas Fort Worth area are the next three that are that are rolling out. I love that. And and as you alluded to, if I uh, was seeing this earlier uh, accurately, a lot of hiring, a lot of uh, high tech hiring. Um, yeah, yeah. This initiative uh, and others, right? Four thousand plus jobs across all of them, and and a lot of roles. Um, that we've really leveled up the skill set. So these are these are technician roles, these are flow roles, these are managing the operation roles, um, and the associates that are doing the roles. They're not walking nine or ten miles anymore uh, to go pick things out of a out of a pick mod. They're having the items brought to them, and they have a lot of pride. We had one associate that we were talking to that um, talked about how she felt like she could impact and uh, drive quality in the operation because she could focus more on that because she wasn't walking around and being fatigued and, 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 and doing a very basic level job. She felt like with everything coming to her, she could be a quality inspector and make sure that it was the right item going out and in the right condition and, and really level up her job. And so, you know, across the board, I think this is a, a phenomenal um, opportunity and, and, and great step forward for Walmart overall. Love that, Mike. I'll tell you your quick comment on, on initiatives like this. Oh, I just think about uh, Mike and Walmart when those uh, YouTube videos show people opening their package, you know, a, a, a power cord inside a box the size of a washer, uh, yeah. you know, or a microwave oven and, and how abusive that is to the environment. Uh, that's phenomenal. And I, and I love that Tetris description of how to even put it inside the box. But, but the concept of the right size box arriving for the packer is, is phenomenal. And, and again, this is thinking that's like leaping ahead. We're not just sitting on our hands with what we've got, but what, what we're going to need and get there. And Mike, and, and, and the respect you have for your employees, it, it always comes through. Uh, to, to me, uh, looking from the outside, listening to your stories and, and others about the fact that your 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 staff doesn't have to work and walk nine miles a day a day anymore, and the fatigue factor and how that improves them uh, as as people and as and as uh, and as performance improves because they're I mean that's just these are things that clearly thought leaders, industry leaders are looking at and, and saying, this is great. This is what we can do. And the results are obvious. So it's just phenomenal. Agreed. You know, digital transformation, some folks uh, have misconceptions around how that's playing out. But Tony, to your point, uh, when, when applied correctly, it's really making uh, uh, team members' jobs easier and allows them to do more. Mike, you know, share an example of that. And it's creating doors of opportunity for members of workforce, uh, at least from, from where I sit. Um, okay, as much as I, Mike and Tony, there's so much I wanna get to, uh, but I wanna be very respectful of time. I wanna kind of come down the home stretch with one of my favorite questions we pose to people um, in many of these interviews. And, and I'm gonna paint this picture. And Tony, I'm probably getting the hotel wrong, but um, uh, the Waldorf Astoria, right? <laughs> iconic hotel. Uh, whenever I think of hotels like that, I think of these grand ballrooms, right? Massive. They get all the, the nice furniture, and, you, and there's a big keynote um, uh, uh, podium. You know, so so Mike, in this example, you've got the captive attention of we'll call it thousands of new college graduates, or 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 maybe uh, 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 professionals just getting into their career, and they want to enter global business, move up the ranks, do big things just like you and Tony. So Mike, what would be your best piece of advice to them? Yeah, I, I love I love that question, Scott. And I think I'd, I'd give them two. The first one's probably a little non-traditional. Um, and then I think the second one falls falls more in line. But the first one is, and, and I had somebody tell me this early as well, is start putting away and allocating your savings and open your 401k and use a Roth and use the mechanisms that are in place because you have time, you have 45 years until you're gonna retire. And if you do that now and you build that up, then if you decide at 45 or 50 or 55 that you maybe aren't in the career you wanna be in and you wanna 
um, go do something else, you've given yourself uh, a foundation that you have that flexibility to go do. So that, so that would be my first um, bit of advice. And then uh, the second bit, Tony, you, you touched on solving hard problems in one of the last podcasts. I think that was great. And so I won't elaborate on that one. Um, the one, the one that I will talk on is continue to read and educate yourself and utilize the knowledge that you get. And uh, for example, uh, getting things done by David Allen, if you've read that book talks about organizing and structuring your thinking. Um, when you go through emails, you either do it, delegate it, delete it, or defer it. Right. And, and if it takes less than two minutes, get it done, clean out your inbox to zero, uh, set up systems for organization. Uh, similar to the to the Packers in our in our next gen facility, and if you think like a Maslow's hierarchy, right? If you eliminate the things that are keeping you disorganized and um, uh, distracting you day to day, you can think higher level and and drive improvements. And so, I love uh, I, I love to read. Getting things done has had a huge impact on me. How will you measure your life? By Clayton M. Christensen talks about are you spending your time and effort and 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 um, resources? Is it consistent with the person you want to become? So if you say I'm a charitable person, but you don't uh, give time or money or effort or do anything for charity, then then by default, you're, you're generally not a, a charitable person, uh, to put it very bluntly. And so if you want to move up in your career and, and continue to drive and, and, and look for opportunities, then make sure that that's where you're spending your time and your effort and your um, and your focus, and and you will see good things come from it. So, I could go on with a list of uh, of great books that I've read, but those are uh, those are a couple. I love that advice, Mike. Man, I love it. Uh, Tony, what about you? What's a new piece of advice you'd like to give some of our some of those uh, those attendees at the Waldorf Astoria? I want to expand a little bit on learn to try to do different things. We we didn't get a chance to go in depth about Mike's earliest part of his career. We spent nine years at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, and now he's a leading vice president at Walmart. Who would have thought, Mike, that that direction would have happened for you? And I started out in a career being a sales guy, and uh, <laughs> who would have thought I would become the anti-sales guy? Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at reverse sales, and how do I stop them from happening? Um, so it, you just never know when you start on the path. You need to try the different things. They may not all work out, but they may. And they may take you in a new direction like they have for Mike and I, where your passion gets a chance to really uh, do something and and do something to make a difference. Mm. Oh, Tony. I mean, you and Mike, you're going to have to go on a speaking tour. Man, quite a one-two punch. Uh, I I would just add one thing. Um, You know, to our listeners and, and, and again, to those folks that are breaking industry and going to be doing big things. Whenever you hear the phrase, we can't do this or we can't, you know, a lot of times that's some of the best opportunities. So lean into that, understand and figure out how you can get around those constraints oftentimes because there'll be some big opportunities. Um, Okay. So uh, Mike, you and Tony both have alluded to um, a recent event, a leadership event y'all both at as part of the RLA organization. Uh, Tony, before we go, we're going to make sure folks know how to connect with Mike and, and the cool things that he's doing and he and his team are doing at Walmart. But Tony, what's what's the next big thing coming up at RLA? The next big thing coming up is uh, our, our North America Conference and Expo, February 7th, 8th, and 9th in Las Vegas at the Mirage Hotel. Scott, you've been there with us. And uh, a couple of times, we're going back to the Mirage before it becomes something else maybe down the road. But right now, we will have the uh, ballroom stage with some phenomenal keynote speakers. I'm going to lean on Mike for maybe 2024, but in 2023, we will have, amazingly, Nabil Nasser, keynote speaker. He is from the Remade Institute. And how cool does that sound? The Remade Institute uh, of America uh, from the Rochester Institute of Technology. We'll also have a colleague, uh, a counterpart to Mike uh, Becca Mines, who is end end logistics at at Best Buy. So those are our two keynotes. You know we do a lot of fun things there, Scott. We have the interviews. We are doing that Top Golf uh, charity event again, cell phones for soldiers. So we make it an important special event. Uh, you can be there two days and get all the information, but you can come in a day early and get into the charity golf and uh, some round tables and the women's luncheon event. So that's our big event. We will be back in Europe next year, Scott. And thanks to Mike and many others who showed up, we'll do another leadership summit uh, later in the year in September. 
Uh, we've had a lot of discussion about where we should go, everywhere from Dubai to uh, Savannah to uh, Memphis to New Orleans. We're trying to find the right place to do that, Scott, and we're going to try to get you to some of those events next year again. Love it. Uh, well, say hello if you go to Dubai. Say hello to our friend Kim Winter. If you go to New Orleans, make sure I got an invite. Uh, love, we, all, we both love that city. Yes. Uh, and many others you mentioned. Okay. Uh, so, Mike, uh, really, again, appreciate your time. As busy as you and the team are. I love um, the change that you and your team are driving at Walmart. Um, very innovative. Uh, it, you know, We'll have to have you back and kind of get an update from you on, on how things are playing out and what's around the corner. Uh, going back to you and Tony both talking about how, you know, there's uh, no finish line in, in this journey we're on. But how can folks connect with you and Walmart, Mike? Sure. Um, so if you want to uh, email me directly, that that's great. Uh, Michael.Prince, M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot P-R-I-N-C-E at Walmart.com. Um, it can be an awkward uh, email or feel like it needs to be very formal, so I'll make it very informal. Um, there's, a, there's a cool trick where if you uh, hold the Windows key and hit, hit the period, uh, you'll get a full list of every emoji just like you get on your phone. So if you cleaned out your inbox, if you uh, started depositing your 401k, if you found something interesting, or I'm always open to feedback. If you say, hey, Mike, you know, here's here's some feedback on whatever you covered. Uh, throw an emoji in there to let me know you heard the tidbit and uh, and just give me your thoughts. Uh, LinkedIn, obviously, the, the traditional channels as well. But um, yeah, feel free to shoot me a note. I love that. Windows and the period key, right? Yep. And we all love emojis. Uh, this is the era of emojis, I believe. Uh, Mike, I love that. Uh, really appreciate your time and perspective. Uh, Tony, before we go, same question for you. How can folks connect with you and the RLA? Well, Tony Sharota can be a challenging name to spell on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, you've got it on the screen, of course. But uh, the easiest way is rla.org. We are the association, uh, not-for-profit association, global uh, you go to that site, you'll see uh, Walmart is one of our advisory board member companies, uh, along with a number of other major uh, members, and we're on the site. It's easy to find, and it's Tony at rla.org uh, is, is the easiest way without trying to spell Sharota on LinkedIn. But I'm the only one on, on LinkedIn that's a Tony Sharota, so that makes it easy, too, if you do get there and, and, and get it together. But Tony at rla.org. And please visit the website. I, th I hope I've told your community enough uh, that it, it is free to join the RLA community globally. Uh, there's membership with benefits, but the community is free and we do a number of things for the community, including an upcoming webinar that touches based on what Mike said. We're using uh, artificial intelligence to optimize returns management. That's our next webinar next week, Scott. Wonderful. Well, hey, y'all check out rla.org, connect with Tony. Make sure you connect uh, with Mike as well. Mike Prince is who we've been talking to, Vice President Returns and Quality with Walmart. Thanks again, Mike. Uh, folks, to our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. I've got, I don't know, 17 pages of notes over here. Mike and Tony really brought it. Um, but whatever you do, hey, as Mike said, we're in an omni world. You know, uh, there are new table stakes. Hey, put it in a headlock and drive change, right? Do the impossible. Do what uh, old Mike's doing at Walmart. Um, and whatever you do, hey, deeds, not words. It's all about taking action. So on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton signing off for now, challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.